This is the new TC Pride Podcast, episode 137, on location in Minneapolis, with success coach and podcaster, Jeffrey Lusiak. TC Pride Podcast, we are on location in Minneapolis, and I am here with Jeffrey Lusiak. So Jeffrey, um, so today we wanted to talk about success and I thought you were a great guy to do that with considering uh, what it is that you do. Maybe you can tell folks a little about that. I am a coach and facilitator that uh, essentially I help creatives get out of their head, get unstuck and get moving to where they want to go. How do they define their success and how do you set a plan to get there? And so speaking of planning, you help individuals and organizations sort of plan that chart towards success. Uh, there are a couple of things you specifically that, that we wanted to talk about today. Um, first of all, so you're a coach, right? We wanted to talk about the difference between uh, coaching and consulting because there is a difference. Uh, we also uh, wanted to talk about uh, the definition of, of success, really, you know, what, what it means, uh, what it can mean to, to different people. Uh, also, you know, I was looking at your website a little bit and one of the things that you highlighted was, uh, you talk about the power of, of letting go what's, what's holding you back. Uh, I also, I wanted to talk about what that means specifically to, um, to members of marginalized communities that, you know, often face, uh, challenges that maybe the, the broader community doesn't necessarily face. You also do work with team dynamics um, and helping organizations uh, streamline the, the, the dynamics of their organization uh, and, and kind of what that means uh, with regards to, uh, to diversity and um, how you can ensure that, uh, that diverse teams of people uh, are, are working in harmony uh, with the proper team dynamics. So, uh, but first, you know, I also wanted to talk about uh, your background. So, um, uh, I was actually recently on on your podcast, so which we're going to talk about in a little while too. And uh, so before that, we actually got together. We had a beer. We talked a little bit about about your background. And uh, what's interesting is that you know you've been here for twenty something years, and uh, we're also recording this during Pride Month. And you know you talked about your experience as as a young man, um, you know, and how your experience with with Pride. And sort of what what it's become today, and what people kind of expect from the celebration and the festival, um, how what it is today isn't what it's always been. And I wanted to talk uh, a little bit about that with you uh, as well. So, uh, but first, I did want to talk a little about your background. And you said you've been here about twenty years. Um, how how'd you get here? How did I get here? Um, I went to school down in Winona, Minnesota at St. Mary's, uh, graduated with a theater degree and moved up here with an internship at the Guthrie for Sweeney Todd years ago and decided I would stay here for a year or two as all my friends moved out to New York. And I was like, I'll be there. Don't worry. And then I just kept falling into really amazing theatrical opportunities here from the Guthrie on and getting involved with Illusion Theater and Outward Spiral and Brian Lake Bull stuff. And I just kind of kept finding a really cool community in that, oh, I'll go next year. Oh, I'll go, okay, in a few years. And then I look back and I'm like, I've been here eight years. Am I ever going to leave? And I'm like, no, I found a home, you know? And I think it slips up on you in that way. It creeps up on you in that way where you're like, oh, I had this plan, but here's actually how the world has opened up for me. And I'm loving what I'm doing. So how do I now implant and ground into where I'm at now and make the most of these great opportunities that I have here? 
It's interesting. Uh, so not too long ago, we talked to a friend of yours, Heather, Heather Spear. And, uh, you know, they were talking about how the Twin Cities is kind of like this best kept secret for, for artists and theater people and just performers of all kinds. And um, how, how it was easy to, to not see like all of the, the opportunity on uh, the amazing community of artists uh, that there is here. And it sounds like you kind of discovered that along the way as well. Totally fell into it. Um, I... I can all trace it. I can trace most of it back to um, two things. One is that internship at the Guthrie, where um, I met Jeff Hallflavin, who was running Outward Spiral at the time, working at Illusion as well, where I met Susie Misserl, who was also working for Outward Spiral at the time. Um, so that kind of did that track. But then also I got a job at Cafe Weird. And I don't know if who remembers Weird. A lot of us do. Um, but I was I was the day guy at um, Cafe Weird for a while. And that's how I really connected with a lot of the artist community um, and performance art community in the Twin Cities. I can try so much back to that time um, working for Kim and meeting Heather. Heather and I working shifts together. Monica um, from Outfront and I working shifts together. You know, we were all there during that time. And learning about performance art from that perspective was amazing. Yeah. And what can you tell folks uh, about Weird? Actually, so I'm, I'm actually planning on doing an episode uh, about sort of the, the history of, of, of Weird. Um, it's actually a different place now, same owner. What, what can you tell people about uh, what Weird uh, used to be, I guess? Absolutely. So uh, Cafe Weird was where uh, Cafe Barbette is now. So same ownership. Um, I was actually there during that transition time as well. But Cafe Weird was the first um, queer coffee shop in the Twin Cities, um, opened by Kim Bartman. I don't even know how many years ago. Um, that's very interesting. So probably 30 years plus more? A, a lot of years uh, ago. I mean, I, I've talked to a number of people just sort of out in the community, just talking to people, just, you know, having a drink or whatever. And, and it keeps coming up. A lot of people uh, that, that have been involved, uh, you know, that are either activists or educators, uh, artists now in the community, like all remember that place fondly. And, uh, you know, it's really has, has a really... Uh, strong connection to to a lot of people in the community. Absolutely, it was there wasn't many spaces for queer people to gather. Um, you think twenty years ago, and we didn't have what we have today. We don't have all. We were just talking before we were recording of all, everything that's happening during Pride and. 20 years ago, there wasn't those access points. You know, you had the saloon and you had the 90s and that's about it. And so coffee shops at that time um, were really important gathering spaces. And that's where I really, a sense of community was fostered and gathered and empowered. Um, I really, to this day, like those connections in that coffee shop, not only with the people I worked with, but the regulars. Even now today, I see people and like, it, we trace it back to Cafe Weird. It's how we came together to feel community at that time. You, you talked about how those spaces were, were few and far between back then. Did you mention 202 uh, as well, right? Yeah, so 202 was going strong at that point as well, um, which also has a huge legacy for hundreds, hundreds of people at yeah. this point. I was um, lucky enough to be part of 202 near the end um, through Outward Spiral Theater Company, which was a GLBT queer theater company that I ended up um, was the artistic director of. We partnered with them and did a um, Empowered Expressions, which was a queer performance troupe. And we toured around the Twin Cities and around the state um, doing shows that our students wrote. Um, 
202 is also one of those legacy places. There's so many stories to come out of there as a gathering space. So the other things that, so, you know, we talk on, on the podcast a lot about, uh, the acronym, I guess, for, for, you know, and sort of the different ways that, that the community is, is described. Um, so as an artist, I noticed that the word queer comes up a lot with, with artists. Um, what, I guess, what, what's your experience with, uh, with, with the different ways of defining the community from your perspective? Absolutely. Um, defining is always tough. How do you define anything? And what we want to do is feel inclusive. How do you make sure everyone feels welcome? Right? So, for me personally, years and years and years ago, and this is actually when I was running Outward Spiral, um, we shifted from, because at that point it was just GLBT um, were the only letters that uh, was were in the mission statement. And when I became artistic director, I really pushed to um, use the word queer. And we got a lot of pushback from the community, from other, like a lot of people, actually. They're like, you can't use that word. And for me and the artists that were around me at the time, um, for us, it, it that was empowering for us. And it was all-inclusive. Um, we defined queer as anybody who felt othered, um, people who felt outside of what the norm was. And so queer for us was a welcoming banner um, to say, you come in. You're welcome here, and let's let's all play together. You talked about you know feeling othered and being you know outside the norm, quote unquote. Uh, we mentioned uh, just a minute ago about how things are different now than than they used to be, and that was one of the things that we talked about when we were chatting uh, recently, and how I guess the community is a lot more inclusive now, maybe of, of people of kind of different identities within the acronym, within the broader LGBTQ plus, um, community. And, and that was kind of your experience, um, from, from what I understand. And it was, it, it was, it was an interesting perspective, uh, to have, uh, at that time. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that was kind of the impetus towards uh, when we started Queertopia. Um, it was looking at pride and looking at how do you exist as a queer person in the Twin Cities 15, 18 years ago when, uh, at least from my perspective, if you didn't look and act and were from a socioeconomic pers like certain area, you really weren't welcomed into the community. Um, we were really looked at as the freaks. You know, we were really looked at as um, the weirdos. I remember going to Pride years and years and years ago with um, my friend, two friends, um, one who's a drag queen, um, Stephen Herzog, and then um, a performance artist, Jaime Carrera. And we went years and years and years ago dressed in wedding dresses and it was like this is way before the amendments this was like and we each had our own take on these like just haggard brides and i had a sign on me that was just like marry me please and we were the weirdest thing at pride and we were like hello anybody it was just corporate or it was you know the stereotypical like guy with shirt off boom 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 and we're like let's add the fun back into pride and it just wasn't there and i remember we took over the target booth at one point because nobody was there and so we just like hung out it was so funny and weird and exciting at that time um but we really remarked to ourselves that why are we the weirdest people in this park why are we getting looks at pride 
for celebrating in this way when this is the roots of pride. Like we really felt like we were embodying and helping to um, get back to the, you know, the the riot roots, the um, how do you protest within pride? And that was just not welcomed at that time. Yeah. You know, that was interesting too, because, you know, I haven't been involved in, in the community as long. And you talk about, you know, the drag performers and, and that kind of thing and the, the quote unquote freaks and the weirdos. Like, I think like so much of that culture has been, has been adopted and been absorbed into like what we know as pride today. I mean, uh, we were just talking uh, with one of the organizers about how like the Stonewall stage now, like where all the, the drag performers and improv and uh, burlesque and all that happens is like the hottest place <laughs> at the festival. So it's just like in, in that short of time, like in that number of years, like think things have shifted uh so so dramatically yeah absolutely and it's so cool to see you know it, it was really i think I, I remember i just looked back at those times of like john townsend interviewing me and i was so angry at the beginning and i was like you know when we started queertopia we're like this is the anti-pride you know like fight the man and um it loosened up over the years as as i think pride listened i think twin cities pride listened and i think our culture shifted and we became um here at least um our eyes uh, hopefully the eyes were opened of saying how do we welcome everyone and how do we celebrate everyone um in this community not just a few um corporations or men who like to take their shirts off i mean no offense to men take their shirts off but it was just like this image of like in anyway um so how do you make room for everybody um and that really has i've seen a huge shift i just think about now of if i was you know, in my early 20s right now, growing up in the Twin Cities, it would be a totally different experience than when I grew up here in, you know, starting in 1999. You know, one of the one of the interesting things that that I sort of got from from you sharing your experience with me about that uh, was that, you know, so there are similar issues today. And I guess, I don't know, like, I don't want to just sort of cavalierly uh, compare the two uh, too casually. But, you know, there have been other um, situations that have arisen over the last couple of years with, with other parts of uh, the broader LGBTQ plus community uh, feeling not included. And uh, to me, I, I just think, you know, as, as a person of color myself, um, I, I don't know, I, your story, your perspective, um, kind of gives me hope at least that, you know, within a short period of time, and obviously the issues are different and, um, you know, the, the challenges there are different, but, you know, I'm hoping that in, in, in a similar way that things have changed, um, so dramatically from the way things used to be, I'm, I'm hoping that with those conversations and with Twin Cities Pride, being able to, to listen and being willing to listen, uh, to concerns from certain parts of the community, I'm hoping that, the, that those issues can, can be resolved. Absolutely. I think it's not over. You know, it's it's like, okay, yeah, there has been change, but there's so much more to do. And how do you push that conversation forward? And who are the voices that are pushing that forward? And I think that that's the most important thing is like how it won't just happen if we just sit back and go, hopefully this will happen. No, you have to actively bring your voices forward. And how do you make sure that, okay, if you're not being welcomed at this table, how do you create your own table? Um, you know, and how do you say, fine, you don't, great. How, and that's what we did with Queertopia, you know, that was our kind of impetus of saying, great, we're not fitting into this mold. So you know what, let's make our own, you know, and what was cool to me in those early years and still today, when we started Queertopia, our mission was to bring together communities of artists and 
people who normally wouldn't share space together um, because it, it was all de- you know compartmentalized. I do this, I do this, we're from here. And our idea was to really put on stage um, as many different types of everything that you can on stage to share space, not only as artists, sharing the stage with, say, uh, you know, we had a drag queen, you know, so you think you're, here's your drag queen, but then sharing the stage with like crazy performance art, right? Or sharing the stage then with empowered expressions doing a really earnest reading about their experience as a, a trans youth. How do we bring all that together and say this is all our community? And this is not all of the community by all means. This is just for this cabaret. We're at least trying to make sure that as many voices as we can handle in an evening are heard. And then next year we'll try to do better and do better and you know add more voices in. The idea was for us is like, if we can't be part of this, then let's create our own little festival where we can all be together and celebrate each other and learn and be t- together with people we normally aren't. So, so as a person who's you know been learning a lot about you know the, the history of this community, we could sit here and talk about this all day. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we we're probably should talk about sort of the topic of the podcast today. Um, so, so on it. So, you know, I wanted to talk to you, but so that was almost in a former life. We talked about it. you don't really do much performing or anything anymore. Um, and now you have your new your new baby, your new uh, endeavor, which is your coaching uh, business. So, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about that. So, the, the first thing we wanted to talk about was first of all the difference between coaching and consulting and and so you know what's interesting is that with with coaching consulting guruing if, if that's a word now it seems like it, it seems like I don't know the, there's the the stereo the you know the cliche like you know everybody's a, a success coach now right like everybody's a life coach now like you know the joke is like, all you need is a blazer and a Facebook page and you know you're so but you know that's not the case obviously you know some some are better than others um, and I guess the first thing we want to talk about was was the difference really between uh, you know a coach versus a consultant. Mm. Absolutely. So um, for me, and this is a new world for me, you know, coming from this background of performance art curation and then working in youth uh, for um, project success for 15 years on top of all of this, it it was for me, the shift was also that what is a coach? Because I had like in my head what a coach was. And for me, it's that stereotypical um, codependent relationship where it just seems like your wheels are spinning with this person. It's more of like this again, codependent relationship where personally, I don't always feel like, oh, how are you really moving forward at this point? It's almost a conflict of interest at that point too, where like, you know, they're invested in making sure that you need them (laughs) in perpetuity. Absolutely. And I was like, I'm not interested in that. Um, You know, and then consulting for me is uh, somebody coming in and saying, I have a system I'll teach you the system and it will work. And here are the metrics that will prove that it will work, right? So I also don't feel like an expert in that way. I'm like, I don't have any systems. I have things that work for me, but I feel like it it all comes from, a, you know, your own perspective. And this kind of from made me understand what how I go from what is this last life, you know, and the lives in between to what I'm doing today. The line for me is pretty clear. I was like, oh, I continue to help every, you know, people understand what's holding me back. Like, how do I get my voice out there in a way that's clear and I'm not being held back by the shit that is normally holding me back? And to me, that was telling the stories on stage through Queertopia, through the performance art. It was saying, how do we all work this all out to make sure that our voices are heard and that we 
are moving forward in a way that is boldly ourselves, right? That's what performance was for me. And I'm like, oh gosh, now I get that. That to me is now like, okay, not performing. Now let's help artists, let's help entrepreneurs, let's help people out there that are trying to go it alone, do their own thing. But how do you clear the shit out of your head? I, sorry, I cussed. Um, but how do you do that? And to me, that was like, that's it. So I feel like I fall on that spectrum between coaching, um, you know, far end coaching and then consulting. I'm somewhere in the middle where, yes, absolutely. I think it comes from within. It comes with what are those systems? What are those habits you have in place that aren't necessarily helping you? Right. So, yes, I have tools. Yes. You know, you can read books. There, There's a whole um there's books and books and books, right? But the system won't work if you don't fundamentally change your habit, right? If you don't fundamentally start rewiring your brain towards a different story, right? We all have these stories in our heads that ingrain us into a certain way. And to shift that story is going to take a lot longer than just like finishing a book, right? So for me, what's interesting is how do we start that work? And how, do I, how can I help people throw it all out of their brain, get it on the table. Let's start to arrange it in a way that then starts to make sense and then starts to reveal a path forward. And then we say, what are those systems and stories that continue to reroute us? And how do we start to route them in a way that aims us towards this now clear goal? You know, what's interesting too is, you know, we had talked about this. I can't remember if it was on your podcast or over beers, but um, it was, it was, it was a, the, the thing about how oftentimes like our, our stories, the things that, that we do in life, uh, what, well, what's really as an, as an aside, uh, oftentimes I talk to people in nonprofit world who are like development directors and like marketing directors. And, and I'm always interested to know like what they did to get them to that point. And it's like very rarely, oh, I went to marketing school and I did this for 10 years. It's like, it's always a really unique, really weird path. Um, how, you know, how people got to where they are. And, you know, you talked about how your, your path through, you know, working at project success, uh, working with youth, uh, your experience as a performer, how it all kind of like led you to this point and, and how we kind of never really know like where it is that, that we're, I mean, for people, you know, a lot of times we never really kind of know where we're going until we're there. And, um, and, you know, I, I guess to me, it sounds like there, there were several things along the way, like, you know, I don't, I don't, doesn't sound to me like, you know, 15 years ago, you set out to be like, I'm going to be a success coach in 15 years. And this is what I'm going to do to get there. Right. But, but it sounds like there were certain things along the way that, that sound like they uniquely prepared you, uh, for this sort of next chapter of your life that, that you're in now. Absolutely. I, I, no, in no way did I think I would be here if you talked to me five, eight years ago. Um, I think like a lot of people I'm learning now, you have, you know, there's some personality types who are like, I'm an astronaut from very young. And they're like, I become an astronaut and they do everything. And there's a straight shot to being an astronaut. Great. I don't think that that's a lot of people in the world. I think that's a very specific amount of people in the world. I think majority of us, and maybe I'm just saying that because I'm part of it. I'm like, majority, you know, it makes me feel better. It makes us feel not so weird, maybe. I don't know. Exactly, yes. It's that idea of like, I didn't know, my path kind of felt like it always unfolded, right? Um, and I think for a long time, the narrative I had in my head was that the life was happening to me. Kind of like I talked before of like, 
oh, I'm planning on going to New York, right? I'm going to go, I'm going to go. But life just kind of happened here and I didn't have a choice in it. And so I felt like that for a good number of years that it was just the world opening up and I was just, I didn't have control in it. And therefore I started getting resentful and saying, well, what do I want to do? You know, if, if I have nothing to do, what would I choose to do? And that was especially at the end as I started getting burned out at my last job. And I was just like, I know I don't want to do this anymore, but then what do I want to do? And I couldn't answer that question. What do I want to do? And I was like, it always just kind of happened to me. And I did this whole, I found in a book where you pull out and you say, here's all the jobs that I have. And you try to understand the line. And that's when it became clear to me. It was, oh, yes, these things happened in my life. But I had a choice every single time. I chose to do it. And so I had to rewrite that narrative of life happening to me and started seeing that I actually navigated it. I actually did have a choice to work there, to take that gig. Because there was a lot of things I didn't take, right? I didn't choose to move to New York. I chose to stay here. That's flipping the story in that way suddenly makes you understand, oh, then I do have really clear ideas of what I do. It may not look traditionally like I'm an astronaut, but I've always been in fields where I'm helping people get through their shit. I'm helping people like get out of their heads and tell their stories and become clear within themselves. That's always what I've been doing in every job. And then when I made the leap and I knew I didn't want to do project success anymore, even though I love the organization, I'm like, I need to change the conversation. Then I was like, oh, coaching is a great next step. This now makes sense. If I have a, if I have a choice now, coaching fits exactly in this through line for the last 20 years. So let's make that the next journey. And, and with regard to, to us weirdos, I think maybe one of the, d- the defining characteristics um, maybe that we all share is that willingness to, to sort of explore those, those options and, and other opportunities that, that come up along the way. Um, I, I think, you know, I think a lot of people, um, I think there, there's probably like a lot of fear from, you know, venturing off the path ahead of them. Um, you talk a, a lot in your work too about, um, you know, breaking habits, breaking out of patterns too. And I think that's really hard, uh, for people and, and you help people sort of like face those things in their own, uh, lives as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think as more and more as I get into this field and try to do my own research, it really comes back to your own self, right? It, yeah. You can, I think about this even, so I have another pillar, like in what I do is also like. Um, presentation coaching, right? And for me, I was actually just having this discussion with my sister of like my approach to to presentation coaching isn't necessarily give me your speech and I'm going to say, say less ums, do this, right? Which is effective. But if I'm just telling you, this goes into the coaching consulting, you know, continuum, right? If I just tell you what to do, you're just doing it because I told you we're all public speakers. We all talk all the time, right? We just get freaked out when suddenly the venue changes, right? Or the number of people changes. How do you reconnect back to you having a conversation with a friend and say, it's similar to you and I talking to then turning and saying, there just happens to be a hundred people here. How do you mentally make that leap? That's a story in your head that you've said, I'm okay talking to one person, but you wrote the story to say, I'm scared to talk in front of these people. Why? So if you can redefine that story, if you can re- redo that habit, 
then fundamentally you you already know all those ums and those ways of presenting will come with it because you know how to you know how to present a case. You know how to have a discussion with somebody. You just need to turn that outward. Those things will come and can get refined. But if you don't first deal with your own anxieties around the story you wrote around, I'm not a good public speaker, why? Yeah, I mean, so you also talk in your work about, you know, the power of letting go what's what's holding you back. And and oftentimes it is those things. It's those internal things, those, those stories, yeah. uh, like you said, that, that we hold on to because, you know, either we're afraid or it's it's comfortable or we've just always known that. Um, you know, I, the other thing I wanted to talk about, it, you know, to go along with that is I think so. So people that come from, you know, marginalized communities, LGBTQ folks, people of color, um, you know, women often. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people and, and there seems to be this common theme that, you know, people um, from those communities tend to have a lot of times from being marginalized, right? Like they have a lot of times you have this internal voice, right? From, from being othered, from being, um, you know, told you're not good enough or, or whatever it is um, that, that you carry this, this voice uh, inside your head that ends up like holding you back. Um, and, and you help people work through that as well. Absolutely. It's, you know, everybody's journey is different. And yes, a lot of the narratives that we write for ourselves can come from within, but a lot of it too is we look for the ways that the world is telling us that we're right or we're wrong. And to be told that you're wrong or othered for most of your life, from an outside perspective, like that amount of resiliency for a human to have is, it's monumental, right? Um, and so I think that's how you you look at for each person what wh- what piece of this do we want to chew off because there's a lot coming at all of us at all times especially marginalized com- communities as well there's even more there are things that i can't even fathom right so who am i the expert all i know is how do we take it in little chunks at a time and say what are those stories that you have the power over your reaction to how do you help for yourself say you're not a failure you you do matter like how that those things in your own head that when you go through a lifetime of being told otherwise um you got to start there because how do you live in your own self-worth and i think that's a human thing all of us but even for communities that are marginalized and told repeatedly from every point the moment you walk out of your house you're othered and different so what is it that you can control and how do you start looking at that story that you're telling yourself? Because that's something you can change. And if you can start to change that story, your resiliency may get more, right? And you may not listen. And it's always going to be a battle. It's always going to be a battle, unfortunately, in our world. How do you create a narrative that will end a community around you that will help you weather those storms? And again, create your own table. And so I'm not uh, a coach of, of any kind, a success coach of any kind. I'm trying to, you know, keep my own thing uh, going here. But, um, you know, one one thing, so I know that, that we did talk about in the podcast is like, you know, I mean, for me, what works, if we're just talking about, you know, works for, for me, like as a person of color, as a you know, member of a marginalized community, um, et cetera. Uh, I think one thing that's worked for me uh, is, so you mentioned that fight that often, you know, there is just existing and just trying to, you know, succeed. Um, and to me, I think some of that, uh, you know, that's worked for me is, uh, is, is embracing that, that fight and like getting up every morning and like 
being willing and like excited, you know, to fight. And I know that's not everyone's experience. Not everyone, uh, you know, can benefit from that perspective, uh, the, the way I feel I have. Um, but the other thing that, that, that I appreciate about sort of your approach too, is that, you know, you said like, who am I? Like, I don't have all the answers. Right. Um, and, and I think maybe another kind of defining difference between a consultant and a coach, it's like, I think we talked about this, like the, you expect a consultant to give you the answers. Right. And then you, you do that. Uh, where I think a good coach, I think really knows how to ask the right questions, right? Because I think, um, if, if you can discover the answer to something on your own, I think it's going to be a lot more powerful than if someone just gives you the answer. Absolutely. That, that was the fundamental shift for me learning, um, of where I feel most comfortable as a coach. It is that no one, this was told to me by a mentor, you know, no one wants to no one wants to be told what to do. Um, and they don't. If you're like, here's my advice, we're going to react against it. You know, um, a lot of us will, you know, or we'll follow it through half-heartedly because we were told to do it as opposed to we want to do it. And that's what I love about coaching is that thing I get to live in that in that position of, I don't know. I just, I'm going to be curious and I'm going to pick up on what you're saying to me right now and ask you about those things. I will never know the whole story. We all have our own lived experience that you can never explain to somebody, you ever. Like the totality of it, absolutely not. So how do I just take from what I'm hearing and ask you a question to say, oh, I didn't think about it that way before. Okay, I'm not leading anyway. And that was one of the hard things for me as a theater background. I was always used to leading somebody someplace. We got a show that's opening in like three weeks. We got to get there, right? It may look different than we think, but we got a show. And coaching, I had to go against that grain. I don't know where this is going to go. You're leading, you know, the, my clients are leading the process. I'm here to just support and ask the questions that can help you then uncover your own answers. Because any answer I'm going to come up for you is going to be wrong. I don't know. I don't, I, there is no possible way for me to be an expert on another human being, right? All I can do is help ask that question because they're the, we're all the expert for ourselves. So how does this make sense for you? Um, and then you have to put the work in. Yeah. Like, like I said, you know, I'm not an expert in this at all, but it is, is, I mean, I'm sure everybody's had the experience where, you know, you're having a drink with a friend and they've got problems with their significant other or at work or whatever it is. And so it's funny, like amongst my friends that we kind of have this, this joke that, okay, we always have this disclaimer before we, we offer feedback. It's like, okay, first of all, whatever you do, don't take my advice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't come back at me later and say, well, you said this was a good, like, what'd you listen to me for? <laughs> so no, I, I definitely uh, appreciate your, your approach of helping people discover the answers uh, on, uh, on their own. I think that's a really organic, uh, constructive way to look at it, which I think kind of works in, in, in the real world and in, in real life as well. But it doesn't help when you're drinking with somebody and hanging out because now I'm horrible because they're all, you know, you get the, you want to hear and you want to react to something. So you want to bounce off with your friends and I'm now like, Tell me more of your feeling about that. And they're like, I just want you to say something. Um, and so that's been, it's been kind of fun for me in that way of like, when do I turn that off? You know, when do you as a friend just want something to react to? Um, but to me, that can be information gathering. Um, but I'm such a person that's like, let's go deep real quick. So, you know, let's ask those questions of how do you feel about that? 
and not to and not to veer too far off the path here. Uh, we, we do that, I think, when we chat sometimes. But um, but it always it always ends up leading somewhere cool. Um, you know, so I've 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 done work again. I'm not an expert in domestic violence or anything like that. But but I've done work with a domestic abuse project, and uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, the advice that they give, you know, to to people who are maybe. Um, you know, dealing with a friend or loved one who is experiencing abuse of some kind is like, I think that's that that's a natural human reaction to like want to fix the problem, like want to give that advice and want to tell them what to do. And, oh, you need to do this out of the other thing or you need to leave the situation um, where, where they really kind of educate these people about this concept of, of uh, keep holding space, creating space for people um, and just letting them know that that you're there to help them uh, discover their path forward on their own. That's exactly right. I, that philosophy is, um, I think, the most beneficial to any person. We think we're helping when we're fixing, and we're not necessarily. And that, and I love that creating space. And it's tough because I think as humans, we all. I still do. I always want to fix. I have in that little voice in your head. You're like, I just want to tell you this, but that's not the way for transformational change. And that's also not always the most helpful. A person. We all need to find our why and our reasons for doing things, not just because someone told us to. Um, and that create the space for us to find the answers that are right for ourselves. So you also work, so along with working with individuals, you also uh, work with teams um, and uh, organizations. And, you know, what's interesting is so, you know, we talked about how everyone's experience is different and everyone's ways of dealing with things is different. Everyone's goals uh, are different. Um, everyone's talents are different. I mean, with, with teams, with organizations, you end up dealing with a lot of uh, different personalities and people, different, you know, backgrounds. Um, and, you know, what's what's interesting. So, you know, in this, you know, big progressive, you know, thing that we're all a part of, right? Like we're all striving for for diversity. Um, and uh, I wanted to ask you about how how you approach um, working with teams where I mean, that's that's the goal is to have uh lots of like really great people with diverse backgrounds, identities. Um, I, I suppose that that could probably present some challenges at some point. Um, but, uh, but how do we, how do we make sure, uh, that we're able to, to maximize, uh, the benefit of, of that situation, um, and to, to help us, you know, uh, get, get the most out of, uh, a team's diversity. Absolutely. I think there's no easy answer, of course. Every every place is individually um, different. Um, but I think, th for me, my approach is how do you create space that welcomes people to share not only their stories, but how their brain works? Because I think that that's a lot of it. It's like you bring in any group of people and everyone's going to be working differently. Their style will be different and will not look the same as someone else's. And then resentment starts like building up with some, well, they're not doing their work. Well, they are. They're just doing it different in a different way, in a different style than you are, right? They're not, you know, I, I even think about offices that I worked in for years. And when we did this work of, you know, somebody I'd worked with for eons and we always, we were good friends, but just butted heads um, because our working styles were so vastly different. And so as we started to understand, oh, that's what you were, I'm understanding your language now through what, how your work language, it's, it's learning each other's work languages, right? We, you know, there are points where some 
some offices do want to be so close, right? And they really want to have beers with everybody. And that's a different take, right? How do you really create that trust and that friendship within? But I think fundamentally, not everybody wants to do that. I don't want to be friends with every I work with. But what's most important is how do you understand how each person works um, and not hold them to the standards of necessarily your working style because your working style is right for you not necessarily for everyone. And and if you want all voices at the table, how do you acknowledge that and say, you know, I, I lived with that myself when I work in um, uh, office things. I, I still have the creative brain and I work differently. I, I, I'm not that person necessarily who's just going to sit there and type things out. I need to like do this and then sketch it out and then go for a walk and then come back and then I end up doing it at another and it's like that can be very frustrating for some people but if you can open those lines of communication for everybody coming at especially diverse um, offices we're all coming at it from different points of view and how do you break that down and build that trust to say here's how I work and be bold enough to be able to and feel comfortable enough to even say that because I think a lot of times we walk into circumstances where maybe we feel as an outsider and we're just if I'm not doing it your way I'm doing it wrong and how do you share your way and validate that and, and there are a couple of um, exercises activities that, that you do with groups I mean to help uh, maybe an organization sort of maximize the, the diversity of their team Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of uh, I, what I love to do is take just base ones that then can be shifted and changed um, for different um, environments. Uh, what I love the most is a great icebreaker is just it's something I used to use with kids is object introduction where you just have a bunch of, bunch of things like sitting on a desk and everyone has to come up and introduce themselves, but choose one of the objects that drew them and tell something about them. So it's a safer way to say, oh, I'm learning and I'm being vulnerable at the same time of, oh, this person picked this because it represented this or learning people's stories of why they came to this job. Why did you choose this job? in the first place. So you open that up. And then from there, it's like, I, I found, you know, I'm not a strength finders coach, but I found strength finders is really helpful for people. Or there's other ways of getting at working styles and claiming your little groups within that. And I remember we, we did this at Project Success years ago, and I still use this today is, you know, you just have these different random um, uh, shapes but you assign them different working traits. And then once everybody goes, oh, I get it now. I'm a square and you're a squiggle. I get it now. That's how we can communicate. You are working, even though it seems to me you're not. You know, So it's, it's, these, it's these ways of using simple activities that open conversation to say, here's who I am. Here's how I'm approaching. And how do we trust each other as we move forward? The other thing that's interesting is that, so, you know, you were talking about sometimes, you know, there, there are squares and there are squiggles. And I think as, uh, and everything in between. And I think as humans, I don't know if, if we're just more, if we're just more wired naturally to, to identify the differences like between ourselves. And I think we were talking about this as well, kind of offline, uh, about how, I don't know, like just the way I'm wired, I tend to see, um, you know, that, that we have like way more in common than, than, than we have that's different. Um, and especially like in a team dynamic, right. I mean, if nothing else, like you have that in common, that you're on the same team and that at some level you have the same goal. So I imagine some of the some of the work that that you do with uh, with teams with organizations would would center around that as well. Absolutely. I think it's it it 
is definitely about just that that trust and that identifying of here's how I approach um, and here's how I um, I here's what I can give right and it, it also gets into how do you access and make sure that you're able and in an environment where you're able to give everything that you know you can give and not feel suffocated by certain systems. So, um, so it's funny because the topic of this episode was success, and I don't yeah. think that we've actually <laughs> talked and <laughs> talked about that yet. That I told you that that happens when we when we get to chatting. So, um, so as we wrap up here, I guess uh, we should probably uh, talk about that um, about what success uh, means. So, I mean, you're essentially a success coach, right? Um, what I mean, what what have you in in your work with people? I mean, uh, what have you discovered about like the definition of success and, and how it can mean different things to different people? Absolutely. It changes. <laughs> success is, you know, what is your definition? I think each individual has your own definition of what success looks like. Um, and I love that language of what it looks like to you. So picture for yourself, what is success in this moment? What is success in this field? And then you start to set a goal towards that, right? That that definition of success becomes your goal. And then you start planning towards it. And I think what I like to bump out in there is I love this space of understanding what is the difference between a goal that can be success, you know, where your definition of success is and an expectation of just expecting this to happen. Okay. So this is my expectation of what I think success is. Expectations will always disappoint because expectations in our heads are solid and immovable. Goals shift and change with new perspective. Right, so this goes into that definition of success too. If your definition of success fits more into that um, category of here's my expectation, like when I, you know, when I start this business, we're going to be multi million dollars, and I'm going to have this and this and this. Even if it gets there, but it doesn't look exactly like you pictured, you're still going to be disappointed, right? Um, a goal, and when you have a flexible definition of success. As you go down your path, you learn new information. And so how do you let your path inform that definition and change it? Because as you start to take one or two steps, you may go, oh, that definition of that definition of success was actually completely off base because I didn't have the information to know now more about myself, more about the field, more about what's possible. So I'm able to change it and I'm not holding it so tightly. Um, and that's what I love chatting with people about is, okay, let's set this, this definition of success, but know that by the time we're done working with each other, it may look very different than what you said now, um, because you learned more information along the way. And I think that's an issue I see a lot of times people have a hard time letting go of that and saying, how do you just because it's in your head, it doesn't mean it's going to look exactly like that. If you start listening to yourself and your path, you'll find where that happiness and that feeling of success will actually come from. You also talked about how, you know, eight, 10, 15 years ago, right? Like you didn't set out to to get to where you are now. And you talked about sort of like the def the the definition of success, you know, being, you know, a goal versus, you know, something else. And and to me, like, I don't know, like I, I kind of see it as not necessarily as as maybe somewhere you want to get, but maybe defining where you are now. And, and to me, like, it seems like, you know, even though 
you've gotten to this point where like you've discovered like this new purpose and this this new um you know this new endeavor for yourself like i feel like kind of maybe what got you there is is having this sort of um this this idea along that entire path of 15 years of like those sort of core um sort of those core kind of uh goals along the way like of wanting to be creative and wanting to explore and wanting to uh accomplish you know several things along the way uh as a matter of like the way you lived your life and and the way you experienced the world and i think um ultimately like without having this particular endeavor as like a goal like without even having that in mind like you got there which here we go getting philosophical again but (laughs) And you, you also you also talked about how so you've had conversations with people recently, and this will actually use this to throw uh, to your podcast, um, which I was recently uh, featured on, which was a really weird experience for me because I'm usually on this side of the interview, but but you were great. So let's um, like I said, we could talk about this all day long, but uh, but uh, yeah, I did, I did want to start wrapping up here. Uh, I don't want to take too much of your time today. Maybe we can talk about your podcast and, and some of these conversations that that you just alluded to. Yeah, I think that that's that's fascinating. So the podcast kind of like came out of that curiosity. Like, how is everyone else processing this? Like, as they're jumping out on their own as an entrepreneur and dealing with those expectations, those definitions of success for your business and what you do exactly, making the leap. Um, I I felt like I just didn't want to go through that alone. And so much of my life has been in community. It's weird to work for yourself. And so I was like, how do I help build a community again that I need right now? And for me, that was talking with other artists and entrepreneurs saying, how are you getting through this, you know, and having that theme discussion. So that's that's how um, From Here was kind of born was um, through the want and desire to say, um, how do we as solo people in the world making these big, bold leaps um, support each other and find community and have real conversations that's not just, here's what I did and I'm successful. It's more of like, ah, here's what I'm going through right now. Like, here's the highs and the lows of this and what can we all learn from each other? And again, for me, it made more sense when I thought back to the Queertopia model of how how do we not just tell this from a narrow perspective? Um, how do we make sure that, to me, I see entrepreneurs in everything? You know, it's it's the chefs, it's the restaurant owners, it's the podcast hosts, it's um, the um, muesli makers, it's the performance artists. We're all in varying different fields, but essentially what we're doing is there's a similar line to it. There's a similar um, human experience to making that leap and depending on you and your skills and your ideas to make a living. So why not get as many perspectives around the table to share stories and to learn from one another? And so for me, that's what I wanted to do with it. So let's do it. And I didn't know anything about podcasting. Um, So yeah, so that's where we're at. And we're now into the second part of the second season. Um, I've now had the great ability to chat with for nine amazing, uh, 10 uh, amazing entrepreneurs um, and learn a lot and break our... So for me, I like to approach these conversations with an overall theme um, for a season and then kind of see where the conversation goes. Um, First season was all about drive and determination. 
And the second season is about risk and resiliency and kind of cupping it in those ways. And I have had the best time chatting with really amazing folks. And I, we laugh because we're like, oh, we're, we're waxing philosophical again, but that's my favorite place to go because we deal with theory. What is the theory behind what I'm doing does inform our path. And if we can have those deep conversations then about what are those stories and what are those habits and what are those ways that we're approaching our work, we can all learn from it. And there's beautiful nuggets of truth within everybody's journey. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting too. Like, so, um, and one of the things I really like about your podcast too, is that I think there are a lot of podcasts out there where, you know, we're going to talk to this successful person who's achieved, you know, all of their goals. And we're going to talk to this successful person who's achieved all their goals. And, uh, you, so the, the name of the podcast, which I think I was like mid beer when I finally, like it clicked for me and I got, it. I was like, Oh, okay. Like from here. Right. So like the, the goal uh, the idea is to talk to, to entrepreneurs at various points along that entrepreneurial journey. Absolutely. So that's another part of making sure that the table is big. Um, I want to make sure that we not only have like this season, we just released from like T. Michael Rambo, who has is a, a Emmy award winning performing performer, artist, actor. He's been doing this for 30 years in the Twin Cities, you know, and so I want to have that voice at the table, but then also the voice of somebody who is just starting. Um, because I think all of that is important to the conversation. For those of us who are um, shorter in, we can learn from people who have been doing this a long time. But then also I've heard for people who have been doing a long time, they're like, I forgot about that. What is that energy and that spark of when you're just beginning? That inspires me to reinvest into what I'm doing today. I think the more voices and conversation at the table, the more we learn. It's a well-rounded picture. And, and the podcast, again, from looking at your website, I mean, that the podcast is an integral part of the entire system of, of what you do, it sounds like. Um, uh, so the, the other things that you do, we mentioned, right, working with individuals, working with, uh, you know, corporations, with teams, organizations. Um, I guess what, what are maybe a couple other things you'd like people to know about what you do specifically, the services you provide, and then kind of where they can find out uh, everything about that? Absolutely. Um, so I look at it as our, my like three pillars. Um, I have the individual coaching sessions. And so individual coaching, I work with, um, and it, it falls into two categories. Um, one, artists, um, entrepreneurs, small business owners who are looking to just get out of their heads, get unstuck and get traction. So how do you just lay it all out? Let's organize it and then move forward. For a lot of times you get your company or yourself to one certain place and you are like, I did this really well, but now how do I plant in and then dream for the future? I help those people. I also help individuals who are going through career shifts, um, jumping from one long-term career and saying, what is it that I want to do now? Or people just entering into the world of working, um, just graduating and saying, now what? I have this degree. How do I navigate with this? So that's the individual coaching sessions. Um, I also do presentation coaching. So that is, again, working with either large teams or individuals to talk about how do I become... Um, a more effective communicator, not only about my business, but about what I do and how I do it. Um, and if I work within a small business, how do I become a better presenter um, for my clients? So I work in that bucket as well. And that's, and that's everything from uh, from nailing your uh, your elevator pitch, right? Working on your elevator pitch to uh, sort of maybe 
uh, getting past some of those stories that we've established for ourselves uh, about speaking to your buddy over a beer or like in front of a hundred people or uh, on YouTube or something like that, right? So uh, helping people get through all of those presentation challenges. Absolutely, all of it. Um, how do you just feel more comfortable in yourself, in your body, in the way that you communicate to the world? Yes. Yeah. And so, and so where can people, what, what's the best way to get in touch with you and to find out kind of more details about any of these things? Absolutely. So I have my website, jeffreylusiak.com. My name is spelled weird. So it's J-E-F-F-R-Y, um, Luciak, L-U-S-I-A-K.com. Um, and there you'll find everything that I do, my philosophy behind it, and also a link um, on there to the podcast, which is called From Here with Jeffrey Lusiak. Um, conversations with artists and entrepreneurs about the creative hustle, which can also be found if you don't want to go to the website, go to Apple Podcasts, um, go to TuneIn, go to um, Spotify. Um, From here is available on all of um, those platforms. So I'll also send people to the website for another reason, something I, I keep forgetting to ask you. So on your actual website, there's this cute little green little alien kind of lizard kind of looking thing what <laughs> I, I want people to go to the website just to see that and then also find out about jeffrey lusiak but what what is this thing oh they're little tchotchkes they're these little uh you know again so this goes into oh my god branding it's oh. adorable but yeah <laughs> i love them um it's it when i was building the whole what does my brand look like if you can if you can make anything what do you make and i'm like ah, oh, my brain is short-circuiting um i wanted to make sure that my eclectic background and my idea of like, I've always felt like I'm not, uh, if somebody just gave me the rule book, I would follow it, but I always feel like I don't. So I wanted to make sure that that part of my personality was really clear of like this fun, um, playfulness, um, about we're all in this together. Like, how do we do this? So, um, really it was through the help of my partner, Reggie to say, oh, if you look around, we're at my house right now. We have stuff everywhere. There's little stuff everywhere. And so how do I bring that into it? So I found these little um, figurines that all have these different heads um, of different animals and chose my favorite ones. And so they are now, they'll guide you through the site. So presentation coaching is gray, individual coaching is pink, and then the podcast is green. Awesome branding, right? <laughs> so cool. All right, well, uh, all right, well, I think that you know that that's going to do it uh, for for this episode. Really appreciate your time. We've been meaning to do this for a little while. Uh, also, encourage people to check out, uh, like I said, the, the the reverse version of this where <laughs> where I was on your podcast uh, not too long ago. Uh, but yeah, I mean, anything else you want to say as as we're wrapping up here? No, I can't thank you enough. This has been super fun um, to do. Again, it's weird after, and I, I now know it's like, oh, yeah, I've been on the other side now. Here I am talking a lot. Um, so I can't thank you enough, and I want to thank you as well for, in your podcast, which we split up into three, just your take on your journey so far has been really educational for me and eye-opening and learning those nuggets that you were able to share and your vulnerability of like, here's how we do this. Um, I still resonate with some of those conversations, parts of those conversations that we had. So thank you for having me on. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, yeah, the other, uh, you know, along with that, like, thank you for having me on too, because like, I haven't really done that on this podcast. Like, I, you know, I've, you know, keeping it focused on, on the, on the content. So that was really like the first kind of one of the first chances that I've had, uh, to really kind of like talk about that. So I really appreciate it as well. So I encourage people to check out that, that, uh, that, that episode, if you want to know any, any more about me, I guess, but <laughs> with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Twin Cities Pride podcast, and we'll see you next time. 
The TC Pride Podcast is a production of the Nonpod, nonprofit podcast community, and Twin Cities Pride. Subscribe now on iTunes, on Android, or by email at tcpridepodcast.org. Because we're in this together. Nonpod turns your email newsletter, blog, or video content into a more powerful, more personal, more intimate, on-demand listening experience. Your podcast, your story, your voice, simplified, amplified. Learn more now at nonpod.com.